Hey everybody, Doug here, one of the host, producers, and creators of the Genre of Your Life podcast, bringing you all a review roundup episode this week. Uh, no full episode of the Genre of Your Life podcast this week, unfortunately. Uh, you know, work schedules, busy calendars got on the way, but again, have no fear. The boys and I will be back next week with the full episode of the podcast. But in the meantime, I wanted to put out this review roundup uh, slash audio newsletter for you guys. Um, again, as always, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. We also have the full audio show on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Midway Avenue Productions. Whether you're on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, subscribe, follow, please rate us, give us a review. We want to hear We want to hear from you guys. You're liking this show, not liking the show, neutral, what are, you, what are you loving about it, what are you not liking about it? Your feedback means the world to us. We really value that. Again, like I said, we had a great year of 2023, thanks to you all. But again, don't be shy. We want to hear from you all. So again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, follow, review. Uh, again, your support means the world to us. And again, we want to thank you again for the ongoing support. Like I said, guys, it truly does mean the world to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. All righty. On this week's review roundup episode, i got two reviews for you guys this week. I have Jason Statham and David Ayer's new action movie, The Beekeeper. Also have Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder's new show, uh, The Curse, which is now streaming on Paramount Plus slash Showtime. I have a lot to say about that one, but in due time, I'll start with the movie of the week this week, which is, again, it is the David Ayer directed Jason Statham starring action film The Beekeeper. I was supposed to go to the screening for this last week, but again, I said, busy calendar, conflict schedules got in the way, so I had to miss out on it, but Saw it over the weekend. Again, I wanted to see it a lot because, you know, as you've probably heard on this podcast multiple times, David Ayer is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. You know, I love End of Watch. I love Fury. You know, he's written uh, Training Day, which is one of my favorite movies of all time in my top 10. Wrote the first Fast and Furious. Uh, movies like Sabotage, Harsh Time, Street Kings, and Bright. You know, also, again, part of me ramble on about this all the time on the show is that I love the 2016 version of Suicide Squad. I really do. I know it's one of the most critically and fan despised movie. It just worked for me for some reason. But unfortunately, as we all know, if you don't know, uh, that wasn't really David Ayer's true vision of the movie because uh, of how Deadpool did and how and how uh, Batman v Superman did not do well. Unfortunately, uh, the studio kind of like changed everything last minute and kind of recut. It kind of reshot a lot of stuff. But again, it still worked for me as someone who liked that, likes that movie a lot. With my guilty pleasures, I'll I'll defend that movie no matter what. Um, but I would love to see David Ayer's true version of the movie because, like I said, you know, from Fury, End of Watch, Sabotage, Street uh, Street Kings, Harsh Times, like he's a great filmmaker. Again, I love I love Fury. I love End of Watch. Um, again, he's he's again. I also love Bright, and again, another one that wasn't kind of like critically received well but it, it worked for me as well so it, i'm a big fan of this guy as a filmmaker um he's very real in his in his interviews and you know open about his filmmaking technique and styles um so i would love to see his version of suicide squad if it ever comes out the air cut as they're calling it but who knows fingers crossed but we'll see whatever if it happens or not but yeah beekeeper was coming out my like, cool david air one of the air filmmakers jason statham love seeing him kick ass and all those things but if you probably heard our Expendables 4 review a couple months ago, me and Nick tore that thing to shreds. And funny enough, a movie that we both didn't like whatsoever is our highest rated out of theater reaction on YouTube with like over 30,000 uh, views, which is crazy to think. But hey, you know what? We'll take it. Uh, but yeah, anyways, The Beekeeper basically 
Statham is, like I said, he's a beekeeper. And, you know, one one day uh, someone right close to him is betrayed and um, and murdered. So he has to go on a, re- on a revenge to figure out, like, who took what from this person and how he can figure out who, how where can he get vengeance and justice from. And it's again, it's the it's the hitman underground assassin movie that's been done a hundred times. John Wick, Equalizer, all those Liam Neeson movies. It's been done a hundred times before, so you're kind of like, right, I've heard that premise before. And I'll tell you what, this is definitely David Ayer. Uh, this is David Ayer trying to make a John Wick slash Equalizer film. There's a lot of similarities of like tone and action and kind of like narrative choices. So. If you're a fan of those movies, this is for you. I'm a fan of those movies, so definitely like up my alley depth for sure. So, it, but it's definitely nothing new or original to like kind of like rave about. But if you are a fan like the old school '90s, 2000s uh, action movies with a touch of like Equalizer and John Wick, this is the movie for you for sure. Uh, again, again, you know, too, this is David Ayer's first theatrical release since 2016. I want to say with Suicide Squad, uh, Bright went to Netflix. And that tax collector movie that I don't think I even saw personally. Maybe I maybe I watched that. Guys can't think. Forget about it. So maybe I don't. Love, maybe I don't love all his movies. But uh, that was kind of weird because of COVID and things changing with like you know production people, whatever. Uh, but this is his first theatrical release in Suicide Squad 2016. And unfortunately, because that movie, even though it did commercially did really well, there was a lot of baggage. There was a lot of kind of like what the hell happened kind of thing. I think a lot of the blame went on him. And if you watch the uh, hot, uh, not hot ones, wrong podcast, uh, the real ones with John Berthnall, one of my favorite actors, uh, he had David Aaron for like an hour and a half talking about his career, life, what happened with Suicide Squad. Um, and it was a very, very open and very honest conversation. If so you can watch it, I highly recommend it because David Ayer was very open about like what happened. He goes, hey, listen, like uh, – Deadpool did really well. Uh, the studio did not test Batman v Superman, and because of how BVS was received negatively by critics and a lot of fans, minus our own very own Nick Johnson who loves that movie, um, it's it's a it it, it was like oh what's going to happen next? So unfortunately, it was the next the victim of the next of the, of the next release was Suicide Squad back in August of 2016. So the studio goes, cool, we're going to reshoot, recut everything and make it more fun like Guardians of the Galaxy and make it like Deadpool because Deadpool came out a month prior to Batman v Superman 2016 back in February and it was a huge thing, as we all know. It was the biggest thing ever, biggest rated R movie opening of all time. Uh, so it just he kind of got screwed over by, you know, created, quote unquote, creative decisions and stuff like that. So I was, I'm glad to see he's doing he has another theatrical release with this coming out on the big screen because this could have been a Netflix or Amazon Prime movie because Amazon, it's, it's MGM, Amazon movie, but I'm glad that they pushed this out to be a theatrical release. It's fun. It's over the top. The action is, is entertaining, but like I said, it's nothing new or special. It doesn't reinvent anything in terms of the genre at all, but, you know, it's, it's going to say it's a fun, definitely a throwback to old school action films and kind of like a homage to like, um, homage to like uh, John Wick and Equalizer movies. He said, Statham is fun to watch. I'm starting with the good, as always. Sorry, it's, 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 he's fun to watch. You know, I appreciated that all the action was a lot more hand-to-hand combat instead of, like, kind of gunplay or gun or gun-fu, as they call it in the John Wick universe. Um, this is a lot of it was Jason Statham kind of hand-to-hand kind of combat, fist-fighting, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, we're not doing the typical 
pow 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 gunfight hitting whatever this was definitely him kind of doing more like physical fights like fist fight stuff i'm like oh well, that's cool you know i respect that because you know i love john wick movies you know it's one of my favorite franchises of all time one of the probably the best action franchise of the past 20 years if you ask me but i love, I love the whole kind of like gun gunplay gunfight gun shootout action but you know what? To take a step back, I was like, you know what? I do appreciate the kind of like smaller technique of the hand-to-hand combat, stuff like that. Kind of like in-your-face, kind of like Jason Bourne in a way. Uh, the There's a lot there's a lot of action choreography that I, I, I – movies now where I'm like, oh, man, that looks so like – it looks so bad. It looks kind of fake. If you hear Chad Selesky, the director of the John Wick movies, or David Leach who did Bullet Train, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, he also did the first – uh, John Wick as well. You can tell, like, this looks edited terribly. This looks terrible. And I thought the action choreography and uh, fight scenes were, were done very well. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm with this. I'll give a shout out to uh, Emmy uh, Raver uh, Lantman. She really carries this movie. You know, she has a lot to do in this. And her character, who's a CIA agent, basically is definitely a crucial part of the movie. Again, without spoilers, there's a big, there's something that happens to her that kind of sets her on the path of like what she wants to accomplish. Similar to Dave, similar to Jason Statham's character too. Like they both have their ways of getting justice. Some of them are morally correct, and others, you know, not so much. It's kind of like the law. Like where do you, where does your jurisdiction end? And it's like her as a CIA operative, and Statham as this kind of hitman and retired hitman assassin kind of guy. They both want the same thing, but seeing two different perspectives and angles of where they're coming from is very interesting. I thought she was very good. You know, not familiar with her uh, work as an actress before. I thought, you know, she's doing a good job of kind of blending the fun and seriousness um, of it all throughout the movie. And I was like, you know what? I thought when she was on screen, she had a huge screen presence of like she commands the screen, she commands the scene. She wants she wants to kind of like you know put her have her voice heard. And I was like, you know what? As an act as an actor. I appreciate uh, seeing that as an act from an actor. I appreciate that because they, they kind of like know what they're what they want to accomplish and they kind of really kind of taking the script uh, as their own. Uh, you know, as much as I kind of ratted on um, Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm a big Josh Hutcherson fan. I grew up this guy from Kicking and Screaming, Sethera, let's go Hunger Games, obviously. Um, I like that he was a villain. You know, I haven't seen him play a villain really, I think, ever. Uh, he plays a really good kind of Nepo baby tech douchebag very well. And again, it's fun to see him back in mainstream movies again. I feel like since Hunger Games, he wasn't really doing much. Man, that could have been his own choice. But I think with uh, Five Nights at Freddy's now this, I like seeing him in more kind of quote-unquote mainstream uh, studio movies like this. So it was fun to see him kind of play a villain, but he's definitely playing like a Nepo baby douchebag tech guy, which is kind of really fun to watch. You know... But again, trying to keep this you know spoiler free, I really like how this movie kind of shows and explores the kind of metaverse in terms of like how easy it is to get to get our information, how gullible people are. Like, oh no, I have a virus on my thing, or my credit card's been hacked, or what's my social security number? Like, you know, unfortunately, even the era of cybersecurity and you know the uh, advancement, development of that, we're definitely still seeing a lot of people just kind of gullible or kind of just like. Easy, easy to believe fraud and this movie definitely explores of like how quickly our, how quickly our information can be leaked exposed exploited and or we're left with nothing or we're left with nothing so i was like wow i kind of appreciated that it is slight commentary slight commentary on that i'm like oh yeah because if, if you don't you know if you don't pay attention or have good passwords or have good internet or getting good cybersecurity 
more stuff is out there for anyone to get it. And I thought that the way it's introduced in this movie and how it kind of sets up the rest of the movie, I was like, oh, cool. I like that. I'm with that. It was very, to me, it was very interesting and very a cool approach to like uh, the overall story, the overall mission that Satan goes, Satan goes on in his quest for revenge. Uh, like the camera work a lot, actually. There's some really cool shots um, that David Ayer and his cinematographer chose to establish certain locations, these kind of like high intense scenes. There's like a cool scene where uh, Satan was in this kind of like this office building. There's really cool like lights behind him. The coloring is very kind of like it's very it's very it's very purple. It's very blue, but it, 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 you don't feel like the distra- you don't feel distracted whatsoever. You really, you do feel like the the camera still is on Statham and the colors kind of add kind of more seriousness and kind of like the focus on Statham whatsoever. But even like other office, other office buildings or even kind of like different set locations, like the coloring, the shots that he gets to, he chooses from to like, kind of like establish a shot and see where we are with the character thought characters. I thought was very interesting. And I was like, Oh cool. I like that. They're playing with different colors. Like they're playing kind of with like the different tones and ambiances of different shades, different kind of like mood, stuff like that. And I was like, cool, good for David Aaron, his cinematographer, kind of taking that kind of like um, artistic and uh, creative approach. You know, although it's not really an, quote unquote an original, original, it's or it's not a movie that's based on any kind of IP or, you know, pre existing material. It, it is a quote-unquote original movie, original script, but like I said, it's not really nothing original that we've seen before in other action movies like that, like this. But I do really do appreciate that Amazon and MGM, it was committed to giving this a full-on theatrical release. Again, with the era of streaming still kind of the rising and the more people are more comfortable staying at home, watching TVs and TV shows and movies, whatever, um, you know, this really could have been Amazon Prime streaming movie, like whatever. But I'm really glad that I saw this in theaters because, you know, I didn't love the movie, but I just, I still like that it shows the commitment from the studios, like a big studio like Amazon and MGM, still fully committed to the theatrical experience and still giving this a wide release, not limited one week only, two week only thing. This they they, get, they put this movie out in all major theaters, IMAXs, premium large formats, Dolby, Cine Capri, whatever. And I was like, to me, I'm like, cool. It's very rewarding, even though for a, a not original, somewhat decently budgeted movie, MGM Amazon still shows their commitment to the theatrical wide release. And I'm like, cool. I like that. It makes me kind of very hopeful and very optimistic for the future for the other movies. Um, so, they the same thing with uh, Saltburn and uh, and uh, Air. But I'm glad that there's still a trend that they're still focused, they're still committing to, and still you know very investing in this i was like cool as a, again as a someone who loves movie theaters lo- loves the theatrical experience i felt really at ease that they still commit to these t- types of movies for the big screen and i was like you know hats off to both amazon and mgm for that uh so with, that's all i was gonna say in terms of like i guess i guess uh it's pros again I, I, as much as i love just statham doing his thing i love david air I had a lot of fun with this movie, but I, I, like I said, I have a lot of cons to go over, unfortunately. And the first one I'll start with is that the story, like I said, nothing original, but it's a bit convoluted and silly at times. It gets a little ahead of itself and, and kind of has a hard time not trying to be corny or cliche, like the kind of throwback to those old school action movies. It starts off really strong, I'm not gonna lie. It starts off really strong and promising, but I will think that, like the middle part, like the second act gets a little choppy t- times i'm like oh cause start off so well like hey where are we going with this how you set it up and then it just kind of just gets a little choppy and then it kind of finds its way back in the in the third act or th- the last part of the movie 
But like I said, it, it starts off strong, but the story could have been, I guess, maybe more executed a bit more, more explained a bit better because it gets a little choppy or kind of just like a little all over the place at times. Uh, there's some scenes. Okay, there's some scenes too that I noticed right away. Like the first maybe 20 minutes, I was like, huh, is that a character choice? It's like there's some scenes where just dialogue, there's no action, nothing kind of crazy going on. We're just two different characters. There's just two heavy dialogue scenes of two different characters just talking. And like they'll be talking like this. They'll be talking like, yeah, you know, this happened. You know, this happened. This happened. Okay. And then this happened like the long pause between them talking. Or if I said, hey, how are you today? How's your, how's your week going? Pause. 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 Oh, it's going very well. And I was like, what? And I thought it kind of threw me off a bit where I was like, was that a a screen? Was that a script? Was that, was that a note by the director? Was that a note by the writer? Like, was that in the script at all? That character decision? But it happened, I want to say, two more times. And I was like, huh. Is that a narrative choice? Is that a storytelling choice? Because I was like, oh, okay. It just, it felt very really weird. Uh, and I, was, I noticed it right away when it first happened the first like 20 minutes of the movie and I was like okay I, I guess we're going with that but yeah but like I said there's it, I don't know why that was a thing or why was that included but yeah it happens unfortunately so I was like all right so if you see that if you, if you notice that maybe maybe just me maybe, maybe I kind of like read that maybe kind of like took that differently but I saw a couple times where I was like all right I guess Jeremy Irons top tier amazing actor I think he's a very underrated Alfred to Ben Affleck's Batman. Uh, great actor. He is horribly miscast in this. He does not add anything and it's to this. And it kind of feels like he's doing this for the paycheck. Because I'm like, dude, I've seen you in some like, amazing movies. What This has to be like paying for your mortgage or just paying for like a vacation or whatever. Because he looks checked out. and doesn't really add anything to, to, in terms of performance or kind of like depth of character. This this role could have been played by like anyone, not even like a high profile actor. It could have been like someone who's kind of like a seasoned, you know, veteran actor, or like no one's like, or not a big name. But I'm like, cool. You, have, I mean, you have Jeremy Irons. I was like, all right, that's 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 pretty that's a pretty good actor. You know, he's, he's the original Scar, obviously, and he's the villain in the third Die Hard. It's it's, it's he's a lot. He has a lot to his roles, but to me, I'm just like, he's kind of like sleepwalking a lot in this. So I'm like, ah. Uh. Um, there's a few scenes where, like, he's definitely trying to, like, kind of, like, be kind of, like, this certain way. But I don't think he was given anything, any, any good or any real good material. And he seemed just bored. Like, all the time he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And don't do that. I tell you this. And this is why that. Like, the way he, like, when he was like, trying to exp- express or show, like, anger or, like, or frustration, it, it was very dull and very monotone. I was like, yeah, this seems like he was kind of checked out from the beginning or doesn't really believe in this material that he was given. So I was like, okay, I guess we're going with this, I guess, question mark. Um, and he tries to explain, like, what beekeepers are. Again, no spoilers, obviously. He tries to explain what beekeepers are to, like, a ta- team of, like, you know, evil henchmen or whatever. And explanation is very odd. It doesn't really add anything or help explain anything. It just, I could have been a script thing too or a directional choice, but like the way he kind of explains it is so like lackluster and so un- un- uninteresting. I'm like, you sh- you're supposed to like tell these guys who you're up against and why Statham is so, why he's so like, you know, you know, the way he is, like why he's so you know dangerous. 
and it, it just comes off like okay it's that's it all right it didn't seem menacing or kind of cynical at all you're like all right that's it is what it is but the actor in this who i thought i mean i don't want to you know talk badly about this guy because I, I don't I, he could be great in other things uh but bobby nadiri who plays a cia cia agent to um he's a he's a, he's plays a cia partner he plays the CIA operative. He's a partner to um, Emmy Raver um, Lampson's character, and this guy has no emotion. Oof! Like whatever he's on screen, I was like, "Do you want? Do you want to be in this movie?" Like he's monotone throughout, and there's a scene where like he's being held at gunpoint. He goes, "I have family. I have family. Don't shoot." And he says it like that, and I'm like wouldn't you want to be like don't shoot me please i have a family like show kind of emotion he was like like the whole movie he's like okay let's go over there oh the cia operator is here let's call him okay it's your turn call me back and that's the entire his entire performance and i was like dude what do you what you want to be here like show some emotion man and again it was just like okay we're going there we'll be in five, five minutes i'll see you there cool yeah Oh, no, you telling me. Not a good idea. And that's the entire, his entire performance. And in my head, watching this in my head, I was like, I got to write this down after the movie because I'm like, bro, what? Like, I just didn't get – I don't know. Like, I mean, if you were being held at gunpoint in a movie or in real life, you would be like – show some kind of like emotion or kind of like, please, please, like, please have mercy or whatever. I have a family. Don't show it. Like, that's how he sounded. I'm like, what? It's, it's so bizarre. And I don't know if that was how he was written or that's how he interpreted the character. That was, a, you know, an acting choice, whatever. But he really gives one of the worst performances I've seen by an actor in a long time or ever. And I'm like, wow. Like, maybe because maybe he didn't want to be there. This was also for the paycheck, whatever. But, man, he had really hit him and uh, – Emmy's character had no, no, they had no chemistry. I did not buy them as partners at all. And the whole time I'm like, dude, you're in this movie, man. Show some kind of like range or kind of emotion. Don't be monotone the entire time because it's, it's very like, you're not adding anything. You're making the movie even more boring. But yeah, that's how I saw it as character and his, you know, just overall his performance. Uh, you know, for a rated R movie, there's not a lot of blood. It's more, it's more of a nitpick, obviously. You compare like a John Wick or Equalizer or whatever, or there are rated action movies. I was kind of surprised. I was like, huh, you know, for a rated R action movie, there's not a lot of blood, quote unquote blood, or kind of like like typical stuff. But in the third act, there definitely is the final like shootout, final like big action piece. There's a lot of it, but I was like, huh, I was kind of surprised that they didn't really like make it like the total like typical rated r action blood violent movie it was kind of more subtle at times up until the third act so i was like huh interesting i thought that, i wonder why that was like uh maybe maybe, maybe more because of like a direction maybe a choice from david air from his stunt team his you know uh, visual effects team but i was like huh i just kind of like thought, thought like huh prepare other rated r action movies like this the blood is very tame at times i was like okay uh, I think this movie, you know, what to me, I think the biggest con I had with this movie, unfortunately, even though I did have fun with it, it was that I think the movie moves too quickly in terms of pace. It doesn't really establish anything, kind of jumps right into everything. Like the inciting incident, incident happens, boom, 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 you're there. It's like there's not a lot of time to like kind of develop and build up like 
Statham's character, his backstory, or like how like where he's at mentally, and it just kind of starts, and it's like cool, and here's the movie, and you know I think a lot of people wouldn't be wouldn't mind with that, but I do think the movies like this do deserve some kind of like time to breathe or some kind of good like build up. Like again, I hate using this example again and again, but like John Wick, for example, the first one, boom, 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 boom. And then boom, like all that build up. Even the second, third, and fourth movies, like there's still a bit of a bunch of build up kind of like in between and up to like kind of keep it engaging. Or Equalizer, of course. The first the the first one is a great example. Starts off you know, where he's at, who he is, bum, 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 and it gave us enough time to, like, breathe and be with the character first, and then, compared to this movie, where it's like, okay, you see Statham, something happens right away, boom, on his on his mission for quest, on his, on his quest for vengeance and rate and uh, justice, like, okay, it's moved really quickly, and I think the pace kind of hurt, hurt that movie, hurt this movie in a way of, like, you guys have to let breathe, let us be invested first, and then go from it. It just kind of felt like, it kind of throws us in there, like, here you go, action movie boom 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 and that's fun. again i don't want that you know entirely but it's just like it just would have been nice to have like some time to breathe um you know once statham does his kind of like his first hit like it just again like i could have used some backstory some kind of story beats first to get to where we are now but once he does his kind of first hit or first mission whatever things kind of kind of go and go and go and, you know, there's not a lot of time for him to – it's kind of like once he does his kind of first, you know, hit or mission, like I said, he's already, he's already like, you know, most wanted man, top of, the hit, top of like the most wanted list, CA knows who he is, they have to go after him. And it's like or – he's, or he's wanting to be caught right away. And you're like there's no suspense or like thrills of them trying to figure out who he is. It just – it just like – it's like boom, 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 boom. Go get him, go get him. All right, this, that, blah, blah. It's like – don't you want to like have it breathe? Don't you want to have it like kind of just like, just like you know naturally build it up to the like boom, 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 boom. I think this movie could have stopped and like breathed a little bit and then worked away into like kind of like figure out who he is because you know right away he's already top of the again like I said he's top of the most wanted list. He's already like you know like he CIA already knows like he's on like the most like most again yeah, man most dangerous man in the area now. It's like oh okay oh, it's fine but there should have been more time to let this breathe and kind of just like get there before just throwing it all in at once. There's time, there's times where it needs to breathe a little bit, let it sit. And there are scenes that kind of just feel necessarily long or a bit dragged out. You know, this is only, this is only an hour 45 minute movie. It's not too long, but it, there's scenes where it kind of makes the movie kind of feel longer than two hours. And it's just like, I think a lot of the, a lot of it comes from the pacing and like the, kind of uneven pacing of the movie another actor that i, I will say i i'll have I'm, I'm trying to find his name right now but he plays the deputy dire, deputy director of the cia in this uh and <laughs> he looks so bored i'm telling you this movie like there's a lot of actors like that just look so like bored out of their mind or is it kind of them just doing this for the paycheck uh don gillett he played he's a deputy director of the cia my man looks so bored the entire time. He he he's called into the CIA office, gets information, goes, "Okay, what do we know? Okay, 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 but why? But how do you know that? Okay, and then leaves. That's it. Like that, and that happens in person on a Zoom call, and then 
towards the end too was kind of like a big reveal of what happens to first and certain characters and i'm like wait huh it's, it's like he he gets the information he's there and he's like okay but but break come gets a little combative kind of look with a rebuttal with his cia operatives and then leaves and people were laughing what happened the second the first time that second time they're like someone in the audience goes he did it again and it was like it was very bizarre again that could have been a direction no that could have been a in the script but he just looks very bored he looks bored out of his mind and has like no sense of urgency he's just like okay but and then he was kind of like disappointed with his operatives finding information like well you know that okay i'm leaving it's like what, what, what? like you're supposed to be the deputy director like have some kind of like involved sort of come involvement or kind of like involvement to the story or involvement to the case whatsoever but there's none of that and i was just like huh i, I think i think after the, seeing the movie i was like a lot of actors look bored out of their minds in this or they were given no solid direction or the script was just like not giving anything and they're like cool we'll just take it in and go with it and it just doesn't really seem well developed in those characters you know their dialogue I said earlier in the beginning of this review is that it doesn't feel really corny and cheesy at times. A little too much of the throwback aspect to it and kind of like, um, yeah, like honey of this or the hive. It's like, okay, we, we know, we get, we get it. It's a little trying too hard to be a throwback to those old school action movies. And, you know, to wrap it up too, it, I just, the ending feels really bit a, a bit rushed. And the way it just ends, it ends really abruptly. And you're kind of just like, huh? And when it ended for my audience, a lot of us were like, wait, what? That's how it ended. Like, it just ends. And there's no kind of, like, it just, something something, something major happens at the end of the movie. A huge, you know, thing happens. And I kind of want to see what happens next or, like, what the consequences were following that. But it just kind of ends. You're abruptly, like, you know, you see something and then it goes ends and then it's credits. And like I said, a lot of people in the audience were kind of like laughing and like, wait, that's how it ended? And I heard someone literally say like, well, that's it? Question mark. The ending was very, as edited, very, very weird too. Like either like they didn't have an ending to begin with or they didn't have an ending at all. And, or, they're, or, they, didn't know how to, they, didn't, or they didn't know how to end it. And it was just kind of like, well, here it is. And a lot of people in my audience were like, well, that was kind of weird. But it's like, all right. But like I said, if you're a fan of those old school 90s, 2000s, you know, movies, action movies, this is the first up your alley. If you like the Equalizer, the John Wicks, the well, not as good as John Wick, if you ask me, or even Equalizer, or like the Liam Neeson kind of movie, stuff like that, this is definitely for you. Definitely up your alley. Don't expect much going in. I, I think I did a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, because I love how much I love David Ayer and I love Statham. But it's fun. I had a fun time. I wouldn't rave about this movie. If you, heard, if you just heard my review, I wouldn't rave about this movie. I would kind of go, you know, recommend this one to, like, a lot of people. But if you do, like, action movies, like, a good time at the movies, definitely for you. I'd give this, really, a solid three out of five. So it'd be, it would definitely be the lower end of the fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a good time. You turn your brain off a little bit. It's fun. You know, it's the over-the-top kind of action like that. Uh, like I said, nothing. It's Statham kind of doing his thing. I think Statham now is kind of becoming uh, the Liam Neeson in a way of, like, kind of doing these action movies that are kind of, like, very kind of blended together. Uh, he's a very good actor, too. You know, he's really funny as well. You know, he's great in movies like Spy. He's great in Snatch. So I kind of hope he kind of goes back to that, those kind of movies down the road, or if not this year. 
because uh, I think he has a lot to offer in terms of uh, as a good actor, and he has a good comedic timing to him too. But I think he's kind of going down the Liam Neeson route of just like the generic action films that kind of just blend together. Uh, but yeah, solid three out of five. Again, I love seeing David Ayer back doing a theatrical movie. Like I said, love would love to see a David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. And again, I'll I'll be there for his next movie, whether it's on streaming or theatrical. I hope it's, I hope it's theatrical, but I, I'm just happy to see him back uh, on the big screen. Alrighty. So next on the on the docket for this review roundup episode is the new like I said Emma Stone, Nathan Fielder, Benny Safdie TV show The Curse. Uh, this is produced by the Safdie brothers, who if you know Unka Gems, Good Time, uh, Heaven Knows Best. Oh, probably Heaven Knows Best and Daddy Long Legs. I'm, I want to say it's Heaven Knows Best. Let's see. I but I actually love Good Time and I love um, so Heaven Knows What. Sorry, Heaven Knows What 2014. Um, I love Good Time and I love Uncut Gems. Uh, so I've been like kind of big fans of these guys since those two movies. Went back and watched a lot of the movies. The very, the, you know, the movies are, very, are definitely full of anxiety. They're very anxiety driven, very just like tense and claustrophobic and cringe at times. Basically, the premise of the curse is Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone play husband and wife. They're a couple out of uh, Española, New Mexico, and they're shooting a pilot for the HGTV, for their HGTV series. They, they get picked up, and it's kind of like. And they're sh- they're trying to bring you know good to this neighborhood, trying to like showcase this neighborhood, showcase this area of New Mexico, uh, and it's very kind of like you know HGTV kind of thing. It's they're they're sh- but they're trying they're struggling to like they're struggling to like to make their vision for like an eco friendly reality in New Mexico a thing. It, they're they're trying to bring eco friendly houses, smart houses to the community. But it's not really catching on, and it just kind of just goes a bit haywire at times. But if you're familiar with the Safdie brothers, their movies, this one, the show feels a lot like Good Time and a bit of Uncut Gems. And if you're a Nathan Fielder fan, I'm not a big Nathan Fielder fan personally. Like, um, was it the, rehe- the rehearsal or um, what's the one from Comedy Central? But yeah, the rehearsal, the one that everyone was talking about last year. Um, Nathan for you. So Nathan for you, the, the Comedy Central show, the very kind of dry, kind of like obscure humor. I'm not like a fan of him personally, but if you if you like that kind of like weird dry humor like that, the show is kind of like a mix of that with the Safdie brothers, Unka Gems, Good Time kind of vibe, and it's very cringy. Uh, and also too, it's I'll start off with this. You know, like the, the, a lot of the characters are not likable at all. They're very full of themselves. They have big egos. They're they're very rude. They're very it's kind of like they're trying to put they're trying to like put they're trying to like put their beliefs over people's lives and morals stuff like that. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the show starts off really strong, but I kind of think it kind of dips in quality and dips in kind of in terms of like storytelling through the middle to the end. It's nine episodes, I want to say. Oh, sorry, ten. It's ten episodes, uh, all streaming now on Paramount Plus and Showtime. And it, I think, has a great, great first five episodes. The last five, the back five, are kind of just like, eh, because a lot of things, are, a lot of things are, that, that are introduced don't, don't go back to like, they don't get, they don't go like, they don't get back to it. They don't, they don't kind of like go, kind of, um, they don't kind of bring it up again. They don't kind of like, you know, dive deep into that. It's, 
it's 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 funny, but it's a very uncomfortable, cringy kind of kind of humor. Um, and there's a and there's a lot of just like, wait, huh? Wait, what? And it's a lot of like head scratching. You're just kind of like, wait, h- how would that make sense? And wait, what? And the 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 tensions between the tension between uh, Emma Stone and Fielder is kind of uncomfortable to watch at times. Cause you're just kind of like, cause they're, if the show gets picked up, it's very just kind of like, this is that, this is that, whatever. And they're trying to like kind of do some despicable and speakable things to kind of get their show on air and popular and stuff like that. Also dealing with the kind of like struggles of their, of their marriage and things going on. And it's, 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 it's a very odd show. And Benny Safdie, plays the producer of the show um in a wig and a kind of goatee thing and yeah he's one of the he's one of the producers and creators of the show as well uh but there's a lot there's there's a lot of uncut gems safety brothers vibes good time vibes in the show um and you know everyone was talking about this ending because it's also non-spoiler the ending really makes no sense and again as you probably heard me a thousand times on this show is that I don't like shows or movies that have no real explanation on things and you know stuff like a nope or or an us I can like interpret my own thing I I I can appreciate that but with this the ending for this really makes no sense and I'm just like wait what and when I watched it I was like wait huh and it kind of frustrated me where I was like as a viewer I was like why like that really add nothing to the story or made any sense whatsoever and like a lot of the critics, other reviews were saying, "Oh, this is hilarious! It's so funny." I didn't think it was that funny. I thought the ending was very bizarre and very just like kind of pissed me off. I was like, "This is how it ends, really?" But yeah, it's there's a there's a lot of lot of it's it's a very dark show. People are saying this is a horror show. No, I would not say it. It's definitely like dark comedy thriller at times because. There are funny things that you can laugh at out of like cringe, out of like you know uncomfortableness, but as a it's not a, it's definitely not a horror, it's not a horror, um, not a horror film, horror show. And what I do like what I like about this show is that similar to what the Safties do in their movies is that they kind of cast a lot of like just people off the street, like hey, you want to be in a show, you want to be in a movie, come on in. Like they don't really, they don't really seek out like actors or like trained actors or you know want to be actors it's kind of just like hey you want to be in a show you want to be in a movie come on in and i like that kind of because it makes it really feel authentic and real to the show to the show's environment stuff like that uh so i give a lot of props for that but to me as someone who loves uncut gems and i love and i love uh and i love uh good time i i appreciated the similar tones but as a show as a narrative for this entire 10 episodes of the season it didn't really work for me in a way. I appreciated some, appreciated some things, but it just kind of felt, it, it kind of felt like not finished at times. You're like, okay, you're introducing a lot of stuff, but where's the execution to that? Where's like kind of like the follow through? Where's the development of that? And kind of goes like, ah, it is what it is. And, like I, and also too, I Emma Stone is not really likable. Nathan Fielder is not really likable. Benny Safdie is not likable. When you when you're trying to we're trying to get invested in these characters that aren't likable. It makes it a hard time to kind of like kind of follow the show. Of like I kind of see what happens next. I mean, we I still kind of felt the interest to keep watching and like see how this kind of unfolds. But the execution of it all just kind of feels just really like ugh, that's it. So 
because I was very hyped for it by the trailers and the teaser and what I was hearing about the premise, stuff like that. Uh, but I, to me, it felt really flat and really disappointing. So I would, at a 10, I would give this a 5 out of 10. I'll give it 4 or 5. Maybe, I'll give it 5 out of 10 because as much as I love the guys involved, I love Emma Stone, my favorite actor, actors of all time, actors of all time. It just felt like a hodgepodge of different things. I didn't really know what it wanted to be, and just like how to really execute a good story or execute a good, a good series. So, you know, we'll see. Again, it might grow on me, but after I finished the other day, I was like, "Wow, it had a great setup." But man, after the first five episodes, I was kind of checking out. I was like, "This is not holding my interest anymore." Just kind of felt really just weird and bizarre with no real explanation of what was going on or why this happened. So. Again, I could be the, I could be the more minority of this, so that maybe I think people are like to love in this show, but I just kind of felt kind of just like felt flat at times. So, and also too, I'm not an Ethan Fielder fan in terms of humor, so that could have been it as well. But yeah, I'm getting five out of ten seems kind of fair. Could could change, could not, but I'm keeping it at five. But uh, yeah, guys, so a lot of again, we got a lot more to review on this show coming up. A lot more review roundup episodes, obviously as well. Uh, but yeah, but again, we want to hear from you guys. Do you see the beekeeper? You guys, you guys like the curse? Are you watching the curse? Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the review section. Again, we want to hear from you all. Um, yeah, thank you all the nice, all the nice comments we've gotten so far. The past couple, of, you know, I think once we figured out the Apple Podcast comment review uh, uh, bug, we're seeing a lot more comments, a lot more reviews. So again, it really warms our heart that all this feedback means a lot to us and. Hearing that you like this is a fun show, you're liking the show, it means a lot to us. So, so thank you guys so much for listening and you know taking the time to review and rate. It means the world to us. But guys, like I said, guys, we'll have the full full crew, full episode of the podcast next week when we all return. Again, hope you have a great weekend. Hope you're having a great January so far. Hope you're staying cool. Hope you're staying warm if you're in the colder areas of the, of the country and the world. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much again for just always you know show us the support and love we we feel it and we value all that so thank you so much again guys and as always we will see you at the movies